This is Pop Tech Nation. The weekly show where we talk about the most interesting stories taking place in the publishing and technology world. Hey everyone, this is your host of Pub Tech Nation, Mike Rom. This week we have a special treat for everyone. In addition to a regularly scheduled show, which should be airing later this week, my co-host, Shovik Paul, got a chance to sit down and have a great chat with a gentleman named Tony Silber. Uh, now, Tony is the vice president over at Folio, uh, and he has some serious insight and perspective on the publishing world. So, yeah, Show and Tony have a great discussion around challenges and opportunities that publishers are facing today, uh, and really how technology affects the entire publishing industry. Uh, so, once again, it's a great discussion. We really hope you guys enjoy it. And stay tuned for a regularly scheduled show later this week. Lastly, before we get started, as always, send us your thoughts over at pubtechnation at gmail.com. So that's pub, P-U-B, tech, T-E-C-H, nation, at gmail.com. You can email us, or also you can follow us on Twitter at pubtechnation. Enjoy the show. Hey, good morning. Welcome to Pub Tech Nation. I'm Shavik Paul, your host of Pub Tech Nation. Today I'm joined by Tony Silber, uh, the Vice President at Folio. How are you doing, Tony? Doing really well. Uh, pleasure to be here. Thanks for coming on the show. I'm really excited. Uh, there's a lot of uh, really exciting things that have been going on recently in the news, uh, especially related to publishing and tech that I want to talk to you about. Uh, before we get started, I think for our listeners, it'd be really helpful if you could maybe give them a really quick uh, background on who's Tony. Sure, happy to do it. So um, I am, uh, as you mentioned, I'm the vice president of Folio. I have been uh, involved in the Folio brand for 20 years. And uh, before that, I was, I was a uh, newspaper uh, reporter and editor in Connecticut. Uh, been, been involved, watched the magazine industry and Folio, for those of you who may not know, Folio is sort of the chronicle of the state of the magazine industry. And it's intended to be, you know, sort of... Um, uh, central uh, place where people can share ideas and we can we can amplify ideas and 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 uh, what's working and what where the challenges are and where things are going. So um, that, that that's Folio's essential positions for the magazine industry. And we've watched the magazine industry migrate from print and from newsstands and circulation models and things like that into a much uh, broader footprint uh, that includes that leverages brand value and not just print magazine value across and brand value across a variety of, of uh, um, channels. So it's obviously digital is a huge part of it. Uh, video is a big part of, the, uh, of that. Um, and and, and uh, mobile is, is, a, is an important part of it. We read frequently that, that uh, mobile is anywhere from um, just under 50% to over 50% of any brand uh, magazine brand's typical audience. So that's that's pretty remarkable. Yeah, and and it's incredible that you know the fact that you've been doing it for 20 years. I'm sure that you've seen so much change, and I feel like nowadays, especially in the last few years, change is coming at a much more rapid pace, right, than ever before. In other words, it took a while for magazine readers to get off of purely reading a magazine to reading content on the internet, but now it seems like on a desktop on the internet, and now it feels like there are new devices and, and things coming out where people are transitioning a lot quicker than ever before, right? 
Yeah, absolutely, 100%. And, and, and this, it's an evolving story, as you say. First of all, change is, is, uh, uh, has accelerated. And adding to that is the fact that as a business, the models are not stable, and it's very hard to predict what the business model will look like in, say, 18 months. And so if you are... Um, you know, if you're Bob Sauerberg, who was yes, yesterday was appointed CEO of Condé Nast, right? You, right. You, you have to figure out where, where, uh, you know, what your business is going to look like, and you have to sort of make big major bets, big money bets on on various digital platforms and technologies that you really don't know uh, are going to uh, succeed long term. So it's it's a very com- complex environment because one thing we do know. Print is declining, and even in the magazine business, the magazine industry, print print is uh, is much more resilient than say newspapers, but right. it is declining. So um, and, and so that need, that that needs to be addressed, and companies are doing that in a variety of ways. To the to, to your uh, point about um, you know what the audiences are doing, yes, they're consuming uh, media uh, across uh, all kinds of platforms, and while I think many people, including young people, including millennials, do like that print magazine, they like to immerse themselves in it. They're also um, looking for uh, that same content, that sort of trusted friend, if you will. They want that content on on their mobile device as they're sitting on the subway or on the train or or or, or uh, even on an airplane or whatever the case may be. Um, so they do look for that and they expect it, and they expect that the uh, the brand value to be there, but the tone of voice and the types of content to be different. Well, Tony, I mean, you mentioned the word scalability, right? And especially, you know, everything we've just talked about, it leads to the fact that as a publisher, you can't have this wait-and-see mentality anymore, right? Because if you do wait-and-see, by the time you, let's say, get onto that next device, you know, and figure out how to optimize it for that device, figure out how to monetize it for that device, etc., people have already moved on to something else. So how does... Or what are you hearing about how publishers are coping with that? Is it just shooting in the dark and hoping something sticks or becomes, like, we'll do, is it, we'll try, we'll pick and choose from these five things and do one thing well? Or is it, let's, let's put our hands on everything and try to do it as best as we can and hope that two of those five things succeed? Yeah, I think you've really hit your hit the nail on the head with that with that question. I think, it, and 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 it's probably the latter, as you say. I think the the uh, the challenge is is to pick what's right for your brand. Over the last say twelve months, people have been really hot on video because video CPMs are higher than typical other uh, banner ad type CPMs. So people are going for video, but the truth is. Many brands are not well suited to video, and then you have uh, you, know, you have to deal with production values and um, uh, a variety of things uh, along those lines. Are you doing are you doing um, you know sort of talking head interviews, or are you doing really cool uh, videos of surfing competitions using drones, for example? So uh, right, and, and, and another interesting thing, at least I see a lot of, is just getting the like again the, the monetization of that right. Yeah. Uh, in other words. You know, I will sometimes, and this really annoys me, where I'll see a 30-second uh, pre-roll ad for a one-minute video, right? It just drives me nuts. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, so it seems like publishers get that, yeah, I, I am getting higher CTMs on a video unit, but they haven't sort of figured out the formula to, okay, uh, oh, oh, by the way, is there a formula? 
No, there's not a formula. Opinion? I think it's I think it's brand specific. I think in, in in the case of video, it's brand specific. I want to just go circle back to on, on your point about publishers. Um, if they don't act quickly and if they don't make these bets, even with uh-huh. like imperfect information, they they are in uh, critical danger of falling behind. And 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 you, we're we're seeing that over the last five years, especially. Um, with uh, with with Google and with social media, Facebook in particular, right? What you what what's happened is the, those two companies and and some of the other ones and a lot of other ones for that matter have done a much better job on realizing where advertising is going. So that that that's a critical challenge for publishers because they they sort of redefine advertising now. It's it's not based on scarcity. It's based on 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 a you know scale. And right. it's not it's not based on uh, you know sending a general message to a broad population, but it's like based on identifying specific characteristics and 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 uh, demographics and geographic locations and profiles of a desired customer and engaging that customer with the right content. Um, like I said, social media has done that well. Google over the last ten or so years has done it uh, you know phenomenally well. And you right. see, but that's where advertising dollars are going. Though between those two companies. I want to say that it's probably somewhere around sixty-five billion dollars in advertising. Yeah, incredible, incredible. Right? I mean, it's, incredible. it's three times as big as the print newspaper industry right now, and bigger than the magazine and newspaper industries combined with those two companies. So, what do you think about things like you know Snapchat? Right, there's so much buzz around Snapchat right now, especially with with I feel like with, with magazine, also with news publishers, um, like newsprint publishers. Is that just people saying, uh, I'm hearing a lot of buzz and I really should figure out a way to get on to X social media platform that's emerging now? Or, or is there, have you seen actually you know, publishers say, hey, this is really working for us? I think it's both. I think you know, uh, that there are publishers who say, who say a platform like Snapchat, which is sort of counterintuitive from a uh, you know, from a uh, from the standpoint of tradi- <laughs> the, the way people traditionally view advertising, right? It's exposure. Right, right. So, um, but there are brands that that that, that say it, it works well for them. And here's here's the uh, the real challenge is is to try and put yourself as a manager of a brand in the forefront of innovation and experimentation. There are people who said, you know, social media. I don't even get that, right? I mean, mm-hmm. you, you put yourself back in 2001 or 2002. And you know, you know these sort of incipient social networks were coming up, and publishers didn't publishers didn't get that. I mean, you can go you can even go farther back than that to the mid '90s with like GeoCities and things like that. Those were right. an AOL. Right. Um, I, I'm pretty sure I still have a GeoCities site up somewhere. Right? <laughs> <laughs> it looks yeah. terrible, but it's up somewhere. Sure. But 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 Tony, isn't isn't also doesn't that lead to more unscalability in the sense that? All let's say Snapchat. If I wanted to get my content onto Snapchat and Facebook and whatever X Y Z, I'm having to produce native content in some form of a native CMS that's just for that platform, right? Just for that social media. Like how? Uh, in other words, when I talk to a lot of magazine publishers, they'll say, "Yeah, like I'd love to do it, but I just don't have the resources. If anything, my resources are getting depleted these days, you know." And and how am I ever going to keep up with this? 
Yeah, I mean that that, that is again, it's that, that is the, a fundamental challenge, and and the more platforms there are, and the more the more things you're responsible for doing, the more challenging it is. It really is. Um, but I think I do think there's a, there's a level of adaptation that that occurs on the on the uh, media company side where they you know you figure it out and and you know you're seeing you're seeing organizations change and you're seeing new titles come in you're you know right. where over the last 10 years um we've seen almost every media company out there now have internal software development department yeah. we've seen and, and that just simply didn't exist 15 years ago um We've seen many media companies uh, um, expand their ad ops departments, whereas it used to be a production director who was responsible for making sure that the uh, the ads came in and landed on the right uh, piece of the you know of the imposition, right? Right. And got shipped to right. the printer at the right time. The, the, right. Those those senior production people now managing ad ops, and they're they're thinking about delivering impressions, and they're thinking about delivering leads, and what and and uh, you know across. You know, email and across uh, web and mobile and all kinds of things. So it's become much more complex. But the co- companies are changing. So there's that adaptation on the one side, and and then uh, you you do see um, a a, uh, a trend uh, in technology towards uh, uniformity of platforms. You know what I mean? So right. uh, you know, a CMS that becomes more capable and and and. and right. uh, so uh, th- there is that. Yeah. It happens over time. You just have to keep your head above water in the meantime. And, and in a sense, it, it also gives the opportunity for, again, it's sort of a, like it levels the field a little, right? Like the fact that today BuzzFeed is such a huge brand, it's mm-hmm. because they did certain things in technology right. In, in your opinion, Tony, what are some magazine brands that are getting technology right? Anyone that really stands out to you? Yeah, I think... Um and I'm trying to think of the right the right examples of of uh, um, specific applications, uh, as opposed to like you know an, a sense an overview of of a, a brand that sort of or of a company that gets it. I think Hearst is really smart about digital media. I think they do mm-hmm. a lot of things really well. I think if you you know if you look at Cosmos. Um, Facebook page, or right. you, know, right. you know, it's just really impressive, right. and really engaging, and I'm not the demographic they're going for. Right, 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 right. You know, so yeah, her, 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 her yeah. is great. I think uh, Time Inc has been doing some really interesting things over the last few years. Um, you know, yeah. Well, what do you what do you think of their Now app? It's interesting, right? Because normally everything for them is behind some sort of a paywall, right? Right. Or, or some sort of you know a a timed paywall. And in this case, it's it's just a free app, and I, I'm I'm much more you know uh, I would say engaged with their brand because of that one app where I just get free content every day. Yeah, I mean I actually don't have the Now app, so I can't answer that with any uh, with, with any authority. But um, that but you know your your larger point is 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 monetization, and I think the trend certainly is um, going in the direction of you know. Content has to. You have to. You have to pay to consume content. I mean, it's just the way it is. Otherwise, the business doesn't work. Right. Well, yeah. I mean, well, that's interesting, right? Because I would say, you know, ten, fifteen years ago, or even I would say even five years ago, everything was about take down the paywalls and, you know, get as many eyeballs on the brand as possible, give away the content, and we'll monetize it through ads. 
we're slowly starting, and correct me if I'm wrong, I'm, I'm reading, I mean, even, even, you know, I've read a lot of articles on Folio which have pointed towards the fact that more and more brands are experimenting with some form of putting back a paywall or, or some sort of a gated community where they get exclusive content. Are you seeing that trend? Is there validity to that trend? I mean, what's interesting to me there is one thing technology has shown us, uh, it started really with, I don't know if you remember this, Tony, but Hotmail, when it first got acquired by uh, Microsoft, started charging, or I think they wanted to charge people to use Hotmail. And it failed miserably because once you give something away for free, it's hard to then start charging people. So is this a trend you're seeing? Is it is it even possible, or is it just if you're a really big brand name, you can pull that move, but if you're sort of mid-tier or smaller tier, there's no way you're going to be able to pull that off. Yeah, I think it is a trend, and I think you know it's 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 moving in fits and starts, but it is moving in that direction, and I think that is the direction because it, you talk to most people who who are, understand um, digital media economics, and they'll all say it's a, you know the, the the BuzzFeed model or the or the Huffington Post model, um, you know where you have to aggregate hundreds of millions of impressions, it isn't going to work because you can't sell the inventory against that in a way that makes it economical, you know, just from the work that you need to do to put together that audience. So your BuzzFeed is 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 an it's probably a, a, a um, you know a, a case study of just one because of you know the, the right. way they've leveraged so uh, you know social sharing. But um, so so if the advertising model doesn't work, you have to come up with alternatives. And one of those is making the audience pay for what it wants to consume. And, you know, to, to your point from you know, 10, 15 years ago, the, the ethos was content wants to be free. Well, that's, that doesn't work. It's all well and good, right. but, you know, you can't make a business off of that. And, and I get the idea, but content wants to be free. You know, why? Because it it wants to be found. And yeah. guess who makes money on that? Google. So somebody's making money. Right. So. Yeah, and also I've seen that dilute brands a lot, right? So, you know, it's funny. I, I, I will go on certain, again, business-type brands and publications, and some of the top headlines I see on their, on their websites have nothing to do with business because it's all become about clickbaiting, right? And, it'll be, you know, it's all about getting people onto the website, you know, through, you know, sharing on social media or whatever else. But, but I, I feel like that can only lead to a brand getting more sort of Generic, which again is not a good thing. I mean, I've also seen an interesting trend uh, where niche titles are doing a lot better because, uh, or, or are really picking up. I feel like more and more niche titles are, especially in the magazine sector, are, are popping up because that type of content is becoming pretty rare these days. It is, and 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 it's interesting that that type of content is is perceived as rare in 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 a world of just absolute content overload. <laughs> right. 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 I mean, right. That, a, that is another challenge of a media company is to have a strong enough brand where you want where people are going to want to go back and engage with you every day or whatever the yes. case may be, because there there are so many options and and I think most people's first inclination, you know, when they get up in the morning is maybe not to switch on the uh, TV news or 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 or. Uh, um, even go to uh, you know like their New York Times app or whatever the case may be, but it's to check out what's going on on social media where you know whether you, you go on Twitter or Facebook and you get a sense of what's going on in the world through what other people are engaging with. So right. 
that's a little bit of a challenge for a media brand too, because it's yeah, and, it's, the, and, and and again, like you know, sort of adding on to that, you've got the emergence of uh, gaming, right? I mean, again, gaming. Even I would say, you know, ten years ago, I would say pre iPhone was for more like hardcore gamers. Now everyone is a gamer, right? Because they're playing that on their phone. And when I'm not playing, or when I'm not, if, if I have my phone out, if I'm not on Twitter or Facebook or, again, any of these other things, Snapchat, Pinterest, whatever, I am, it's, it's a question of should I go read, uh, should I go on to Forbes.com or should I play Candy Crush, right? So really what brands like Forbes are suddenly competing against is not other media brands. They're really competing against you know, completely different verticals like games you know, for, yeah. for an average consumer, which is, I feel like, another sort of added challenge for publishers in general. Yeah, 100% agree. Um, and it, it speaks to the atomization of audiences and where they're, where they're going and the distracted nature of, of uh, what, uh, you know, of what the information consumer is, is uh, you know, uh, the reality for the information consumer these days. It's just, it's like... Unbelievable! It's just re- it's really difficult. And I think if we look at our even our own personal media consumption habits, um, we, we we find we find that 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 is true. Um, you know, I'll have you know I'm I'm reading this book, The Wright Brothers, right now, and it, it sits, sits on my table. But you know, where where am I? I'm on my phone, and I pick up the book every now and again. <laughs> right. right? Yeah, it's funny. You know, I've I've actually stopped. Uh, I I used to read a lot on. Tablets. I've completely stopped because I find it very distracting. Every time I'm reading something, I get or I have to shut off the the Wi-Fi on it simply because I every time a message pops up, I'm out of the book. You know, it is challenging. Absolutely. So speaking of Apple, actually, I, I want to talk to you about something that uh, obviously is a really big hot topic, which is iOS 9 and the new ability that uh, Apple's going to enable, which will allow. Uh, a consumer or an Apple phone owner to essentially add a ad blocker. So much like, uh, for, for our listeners, much like you have uh, ad blockers like ad, uh, ad Block Plus, and there's, there's a whole bunch of them where on your browser, on your desktop, you can install it and it blocks out all the banner ads on a website. That for the first time, at least in, in an Apple device, is going to be allowed with this upcoming update for iOS 9. Everything I've been reading, Tony, I, I, you know, has been, oh, this is like going to be lead to the further doom of, of publishers. What are you hearing, and, and particularly, what are you hearing that publishers are, are trying to do about? I think it's it's as uh, hot a topic and as current and timely a topic as there is out there right now. I think that the, even today, there were I saw a bunch of headlines as I as I scanned, um, you know, the, uh, social media and and, and uh, email and so on this morning about. "Quote unquote," the war on advertising, and I, I didn't actually get to read any of those stories, but I'm familiar with them. We have a cover story in Folio magazine uh, coming up um, in our current issue. That's it's it's, it's on that on the challenges uh, that that um, adverti- advertising presents to uh, publishers now that you have things like ad blocking. Um, this the, by by some uh, estimates, ad blocking is used by 20% of the people in the country and even and even higher uh, among millennials. Right. Um, you know, it's so so it's it's a huge concern. So if you if you you live in an environment where um CPMs are low and and there's downward pressure on CPMs and programmatic 
uh, advertising increases that downward pressure because people are really searching for a block of consumers rather than uh, brand affiliation. Um, there's a whole bunch of things that are going on that are that are making advertising um, online a, a very problematic business. Not to mention that the ad ops um, enabling companies, the third parties, the network, right. the programmatic right. platforms, they're all taking a slice of what of that CPM as well. So that's right. That's it's, right. It's a uh, it's an amazing environment right now with advertising, and and so it's it's kind of not surprising that you see companies. Especially on the B2B side, you see companies moving into the lead identification um, business and the marketing services business, where they get into uh, where they match their databases up against their customers' databases and try and uh, find um, you know commonalities and, and, and create a, a richer profile around the uh, around a prospect. So that, that's what you see. So you know the advertising. When you think about advertising, what is that? advertising? Is the most fundamental reason for a media business it's in in media you're selling an audience to an advertiser well if that is if that fundamental business model is being eroded um then you have a real existential crisis right right i I mean it's 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 basically what happened to the music industry right uh 10 15 years ago um where they had to really rethink the, about how to monetize their content and everything else. I, I think, you know, an interesting thing here, speaking of, you know, we we're talking about the New York Times now, app a little earlier, that if you do have an app like that, that, the advertising in there doesn't get blocked, right? So it's only in the browser, like if I have Safari open on my phone where they can, these ad blockers can block out the ads. So, you know, will we see more of, you know, a push towards having these sort of like native apps uh, and, and getting more people to install these native apps? Yeah, I, th- I um, yes, th- I, I think that that's, um, that will happen. And I, and I think what we've seen is over the last two or three years is uh, technology, Technologies like ad blockers are emerging, and then the advertising industry reacting to it and coming up with a solution that mitigates it, mitigates whatever the whatever it is. It could be ad blocking, could be other things. It could be like bot traffic, right? Right. Um, where 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 um you know it gets it gets a, the the challenge gets identified and a solution um, uh, emerges, and I think so. You'll see that seesawing back and forth. Over over uh, you know the next few years, I don't, right now I, I I haven't read anything on on what the technology what technologies exist to to uh, overcome ad blocking. Right, right, yeah. I mean it's it's interesting because we we've been talking a lot about um, this ad blocking in general with iOS nine on the show, and and you know we we we've been discussing different ways. I mean apps are one way you can't block the apps, but also ads in the apps, but also. Emerging tech is going to play more and more of a part, right? So, again, who knows, uh, you know, how the Apple Watch is going to do, right? I mean, trends show that definitely there's there's a huge uptick in, in consumers buying that product, but obviously, no one's figured out how to how to, to really advertise properly on that yet. And maybe that things like getting onto the watch or whatever else is to come. You know, uh, I'm curious, by the way, like, have you heard about? Anything about the watch in general with with magazine publishers? 
I ha- I haven't. I I've, what I've heard about the watch is that Apple is reluctant to share its sales figures because they're not robust. <laughs> and no, uh, unsurprised, I'm not surprised by that. Um, I'm telling you, I wanted one of those things and when I when they first started marketing it last spring. Yeah. I wanted yeah. one in the in the worst way, and I still want one. But you know, I figure I'm, I'm gonna the, the the pattern with Apple products is, you know, it, you got to wait for the second or third iteration right. for it to be really right. cool and really cool. So right. I'll wait. Um, but and the other thing with the with the watch is Apple invented the the. Uh, you know, you know, essentially invented the smartphone, which mitigates. You, know, you don't really need a watch if you can pull right. your phone, and right. the time is right there. So, yeah. Um, so they're they're struggling. Oh. They have yeah. Big... Only Apple can do that, right? Where they convince you to take, stop using a watch, and then years later come back and try to convince you to yeah. use the watch again. Yeah. Um, it, it's it's the other really interesting thing to me. You know, when when uh, at the um, announcements last week for. Uh, the new um, Apple products that, that are coming out, they announced the Apple TV and the ability now to have apps, and that was a big, big focus of the announcement was they're going to, we're going to see apps on the Apple TV. So while we're watching TV, we can switch over and shop for things. We can browse websites. You know, it really got me thinking about uh, especially, you know, media content, right? So to be able to, and to a certain degree, I think a lot of like smart TVs enable this where while I'm watching, you know, Monday Night Football, I can pull up my, uh, on, at least on my, on my smart TV, I'm able to pull up on the side a bar which shows me like live tweets and things like that. You know, is that going to become more, uh, a, a, another, yet another medium that publishers are going to have to think about? Uh, how do we get our content in a relevant way onto again, yet another, in this case, at least it's a big screen, right? <laughs> As yeah. opposed to getting smaller, um, yeah. you know, is, is that an opportunity? I think it is. I think um, I think there's a lot to be learned from how the television industry has adapted to the whole second screen concept and the uh, right. you know the the TV everywhere is that the, is that what it's called TV everywhere it's TV anywhere or TV everywhere. Yeah, like where you take it on the go, no matter what device you're on. Absolutely, you're on and and yeah. they 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 uh, they're selling subscriptions now through the, mostly through the cable providers. Um, right. So yeah, I think that's I think that's a um, I think it's a major opportunity. I think the, the, the magazine companies are, be, need to be watching what TV uh, companies TV um, networks and so on are doing, cable networks uh, with, with that. I have to say, it's f- f- for a lot of the folio audience. Mm-hmm. That it's that's um, you know that's like space age stuff. I mean, they're they're, <laughs> they're, they're far removed from you know trying to model out and puzzle out what the business models are for um, you know what what might work on the Apple TV going forward. It's hard it's hard to predict what consumers yeah. how can what you know, and it might be a very a quick transition uh, where, where consumers universally are using that kind of those kinds of products, uh, you know, within five years. But right now, right. it's not it's not apparent, and I don't think that my audience is is uh, focused on that like really um, intently. Mm-hmm. So, no, that's uh, yeah. I mean, it it goes back to what we were talking about earlier, right? It's it is fairly unscalable, and and you know, uh, it seems like publishers these days are thinking 
a lot more, or spending a lot more time thinking about technology and these like, even small things like, hey, is this stuff going to even work on the new devices that are coming in? Even I'm talking iterations of existing devices, you know, every year like 100 new things come out. Is it going to work on these devices? Who's going to get me onto it? How's it going to work? How do I monetize it? So I, I feel like, Tony, we're, we're going to be talking about this uh, regularly for a very, very long time. Uh, so, Tony, thank you so much for coming on the show. What's happening on your end? I know you guys have a really big conference coming up, right? We do, uh, and thanks for uh, pointing it out. We have a uh, we have a major uh, conference. It's the largest uh, magazine industry conference and trade show in in the uh, in the uh, in the in the world. Probably it, it's on uh, October nineteenth through twenty first in New York. It's called the Folio Show, and uh, things are tracking really well. Um, and Great. Well, and if someone wants to learn more about it, uh, where would they go? Folioshow dot com. Perfect. So listeners, go go check out folioshow.com. Tony, thank you so much for uh, coming on the show. We hope to have you back some, uh, sometime soon. And good uh, luck with the show. Thank you so much. Uh, it's been a pleasure, Charlie. All right. Thanks. Take care. Bye. Take care. Bye.